the 1410 WIZM. Uh, my name is Mike Meyer, and I host the Plant Doctor Show, and we will be answering your questions about anything that's green or growing over the next hour. So if you've got a question about your uh, lawn, your garden, your trees, your shrubs, go ahead and give me a call. The number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. And you can also text me on that number as well. And uh, let's see, is that one? Nope, that's somebody else. But uh, you can shoot me a text at that number as well. And, uh, you know, ask your questions there. Uh, now, one, before I get started into the meat of the show today, I had a different kind of question this week. Uh, it was an email question, or Facebook question, I believe. Yeah, it was Facebook, uh, where somebody had found a six-leaf clover, and they were wondering about, you know, the best way to, uh, you know, protect it and, uh, you know, keep it, uh, preserve it. And personally, I've had a few clovers uh, I keep in my wallet for good luck charms. I had a six-leaf. Uh, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime find. But I had a six-leaf, I had a five-leaf, and quite a few four-leaves. And the best way to keep them uh, from deteriorating is to get some uh, cellophane and uh, press them in a book inside the cellophane. And that way they're the chlorophyll won't leach out either, and they will stay green, believe it or not. They're still going to get brittle, uh, just like a, a leaf does in the fall. But uh, the chlorophyll will stay on the inside of the uh, plant and, you know, keep it green looking. And uh, it, it's a good way of storing them. Now, I've had mine in my wallet, you know, those little pitcher holders that nobody keeps pitchers inside of anymore because most people don't have pitchers anymore. Uh, they're all on people's cameras, but, uh, you know, those little, uh, plastic pitcher thingies, uh, that's what I store them inside of, inside my wallet. And, yeah, I've got a five, now, uh, one of the leaves fell off the six-leafer. So I guess I have two fives and a couple of fours in there. But the other really neat thing, uh, about finding four-leaf clovers, if you're lucky enough to find one, Always look in the same spot for more. And the thing about uh, four-leaf clovers is they're, true, they're a genetic anomaly. But the plants that spawn them uh, are more apt to make more. And they're also more apt to uh, reproduce with plants that make more. So you can actually have a patch you won't have a patch of four-leaf clovers. It's not going to be that great. But you're going to have a patch of uh, clover that will be producing some four-leaf uh, plants. And so if you keep going back to the same area where you found one before, more than likely you're going to find more. And uh, that's how I actually found the uh, five- and six-leaf clovers is I was going back to a uh, spot where I knew the four-leaf uh, ones were growing. But, um, okay, that all being said, it looks like spring is fully underway right now. Uh, some showers out there this morning and a little bit warmer weather. So hopefully we can put away those snow shovels and break out the garden spades. But unfortunately, the warmer weather and the rains also allow something a little bit less magical 
then the lawn's greening up, uh, you know, the trees uh, and flowers blooming, and everything looking nice and green and fresh. Uh, yeah, there's something a little bit less desired that comes along with that, and that is the Wisconsin State Birds. I'm not speaking of the robins. I'm speaking of those rather peskier critters, the mosquitoes. And, yeah, there are you know, all sorts of cures and uh, things out there to keep uh, mosquitoes away. Some of them work, some of them don't. Uh, some of them are downright dangerous. Uh, some are just a waste of money. And some of them can work really, really well. So I figured we'd go about that stuff today. And since uh, many of the cures for uh, skeeters are about the same thing that you would use for ticks or gnats, you know, keep those uh, insects in mind, too. Now, anybody knows mosquitoes and gnats. Mosquitoes especially. Gnats are just a pain in the butt. But uh, mosquitoes can really, really ruin your day outdoors. And we can lessen the chance of that happening by doing a bit of cleaning in our yards and our neighborhoods. And I figured we'd start with that before getting into talking about the, uh, you know, chemical ways and other methods of uh, keeping the critters out of here. But as always, if you've got a question about anything green or growing, please go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. Now, most of us know that mosquitoes come from a stagnant uh, water source. Uh, old soup cans filled with uh, water can harbor hundreds, if not thousands, of larvae. It's higher, ten, tens of thousands. And depending on the species, it can uh, take as few as 10 to 14 days for the newly laid eggs to hatch. But once they hatch, the skeeter is... And once it hatches from the egg, the skeeter uh, lives as an aquatic animal. And uh, they go through a couple of changes in the uh, pupil stage where they're sw swimming around in the water. And you can usually see them, especially in, like, if you pick up a can of water or something like that that's been sitting outside, uh, they look like little tiny shrimp scooting around inside the water. And... Uh, and once they go through their final uh, metamorphic stage, uh, where they actually change into a flying insect, they are usually ready to mate within about 24 hours. Now, the male mosquitoes feed on nectar, believe it or not, the same way as uh, most other insects do. The female is the bloodsucker. And I'm going to refrain from making an off-color joke right now, uh, but because I know that would definitely get me in trouble. But uh, yeah, it's only the females that uh, feed on, uh, you know, what uh, blood. So take it or leave it. Uh, in the past, people have used to try to control the skeeter population at the pupil stage, and it was done quite effectively if given the right type of weather. But unfortunately, other species of plants and wildlife were killed as well, so I don't recommend in doing it this way. And the only reason why I'm going to bring this up is I saw something on the net that was recommending people to do this. 
But please don't, okay? It's bad. There are a lot of other good bugs that come out of ponds and swamps. Uh, not all of them are the little fly nasties. Uh, your dragonflies, which kill off mosquitoes. Your lightning bugs. Uh, uh, there's a whole slew of good beneficial insects that come out of uh, swamps and ponds. Plus uh, the fact that uh, you'd be probably killing off the fish as well with this uh, technique. And that is by pouring oil on the top of a pond. And it doesn't take much because I, if you were to go out to a uh, you know a stagnant area of water, say just take like a bucket of water, and you take an eyedropper and you drop one drop of oil, one teensy little drop of oil into that uh, bucket of water, you'll see it spread across the entire bucket because it thins out into a very fine layer and, uh, you know, will cover the entire surface of the water. Now, as long as the water remains flat, once it gets wavy, it'll get mixed up and uh, have no effect. But as long as it's calm out, mosquitoes, even in their pupil stage, still breathe air. And the way that they do it, since they're swimming around the water, is they've got a long proboscis, uh, which is another kind of kind of like their nose. Uh, it's almost like a straw. And they will stick that up out of the water to breathe. The, if there's oil sitting on top of the water, they can't do that. And they will wind up drowning. And uh, that will effectively kill off the mosquitoes. But like I said, it's going to kill off a lot of beneficials. So please don't do this. And you're going to wind up hurting the fish and stuff like that. And even if you used uh, something less uh, harmful to the environment uh, than, you know, petroleum-type oil, if you did it with vegetable oil, that would have the same effect across the board, but you'd still have the same effect to the rest of the beneficials. So don't do that at all, please. Uh, there are things that you can get to pop into the water sources, uh, but, you know, to kill off the skeeters and only them. But we'll get to that later. Now, as far as water sources on your property, you don't need to have a pond or a swamp nearby in order to be affected by these critters. Uh, any source of water, an empty can, an old tire, toys, tarps, anything that's been sitting out since last winter and, you know, snow's melted and it's filled up uh, with water now. All it takes is a little over a week, and those uh, eggs will start hatching, and uh, then a week from that point they'll become adults flying around and, you know, feeding on us. If you have a bird bath, empty out your bird bath, please, daily. Don't let the water stay out there. Uh, if you keep your bird bath out in the sun, generally you're going to be forced to do that because it's going to have a good crop of algae growing. But uh, if you have your bird bath in the shade, uh, that will curb the algae, and, but it will also uh, make it a prime uh, location for the skeeters to start you know, uh, laying their eggs. So always empty that out. All you have to do is pour it out in the grass and fill it up with good fresh water. Okay, we've got one call coming in. 
two open lines, and I don't think we have a text yet. I'll go back there and check in just a second. But uh, go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text number. Oh, that person hung up. Darn it. Okay, let's see if we have a text. Maybe he texted me. Let's see here. Nope, no texts. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. That'll make this uh, spot a good place to take a break. And uh, when we come back, back, we will continue talking about getting rid of uh, these skeeters from the area. Okay, uh, take care of a little bit of business, and we will be right back. And we are back, and today in between phone calls, uh, we're talking about keeping skeeters and ticks and all the little crawling nasties away. But we got one phone call coming in, so we're going to go ahead and jump right over to the phone lines. We have two open ones, too, at 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Oh, hi. This is Anne. Hi, Anne. What can I do for you this morning? I have a question. I want to get um, buy a couple uh, hydrangeas, mm-hmm. and I was wondering what side of the house I was kind of thinking on the south side, like next to the to the you know the house on the edging of the grass, if that would be appropriate to plant them there. Okay, hydrangeas can tolerate full sun, but they don't like a hot area. Uh, oh. So you need to be careful about that. Uh, they can tolerate full sun. Uh, they do best in partial shade, very honestly. Okay. And oh. uh, they uh, hydrangeas are great for this area. Uh, there's a couple of different types out there. You've got the you know the old fashioned uh, uh, weird ones uh, that they start out as uh, let's see. When they bloom, the flowers are green. Then uh-huh. they turn pink. That no. Then they turn white from green. Then they turn pink in the fall, uh, okay. which is really neat. Uh, or you can take uh, to any hydrangea, and uh, you can change the color yourself from being red to uh, blue. And you can oh. do yeah. You can do that by adding either uh, sulfur for uh, blue uh-huh. or lime for the uh, deep pink or the red. Okay. And what's really cool is if you get a big enough hydrangea, once your hydrangea's uh, been there for a while and it's established, you can put sulfur on one side of the bush and uh, limestone on the other side, and you can have uh, the same both colors in uh, the same bush. Oh, that's how that works. Yep. Okay, well, that's food for thought for me. And then uh, one other thing, I have a, I love the hibiscus, and I finally got lecher, couldn't find any. This year I have a whole bunch of them that I purchased, and I li- just leave them in pots. Mm-hmm. But um, one of my neighbor ladies said that she has the most gorgeous plants, that she puts vinegar, that they like acidic soil. Mm-hmm. Hibiscus uh, do uh, tend to go a little bit acidic. So uh, a little bit of vinegar into the soil would do fine. Uh, You don't have to go that route. Uh, If you just have some peat moss uh, mixed into your soil, that will work as well. Peat moss generally tends to be a six, too. And what do I do then if I can um, winter them? Winter them over outside or inside? Because there's two different types. Bring the pots in and winter them inside in the basement. Okay, you can allow them to rest. Uh, you don't treat it quite the same way as you would a geranium where you cut it all the way back, but you do cut it back sub- substantially. 
Uh, mm-hmm. You stop watering it, except for, you know, like once a month, go down and give a little bit of uh, just a very extreme light watering. Just keep the roots supple. And uh, keep it in a dark, cool area, no uh, colder than 40 degrees, no warmer than, say, 55. And okay, you said a dark, dark, cool area, place. Right? Yes. Okay. And uh, once you want it to uh, come back to life again, you bring it back up and you pop it into a, a sunny window and uh, start watering it regularly. Uh, wow. And it will come back to life for you. Now, there's okay. two different types of uh, hibiscus. Some of them you can uh, leave outdoors. They're hardy hibiscus. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have to make sure which one you have. And, uh, you know, if uh, it's the one out uh, that you're going to pop outdoors, uh, about the only thing I would do or make sure that you, you would do with that is uh, put some mulch around it. Put what around it? Some mulch. To help. Mulch, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. To protect the roots. Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure enough. And uh, how do I find out if I have the like the ones that I can leave out or that you know the wintering outside or in, they need inside? It would be best to go back to the place where you got them at and ask them uh, whether ask. they're hardy or not, because uh, mm-hmm. there's no real easy way of looking at it and telling the difference. To be quite honest with you, I think. Okay. Okay, fine. Thank you very very much. Okay, you're quite welcome, and thanks for listening, and then thanks for the phone call. And that's going to take us uh, to our news break. We're going to stop here and take care of a little bit of news, a little bit of information, and a little bit of business. And we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in a couple of minutes to talk about mosquitoes. If you've got a question about anything else in the planter gardening world, please feel free to give me a call. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. And we will be right back. But uh, today, uh, here in Wisconsin, this nice and damp uh, May, uh, you know, early May day, uh, we're going to be talking about skeeters and gnats and ticks and, you know, the different types of bugs that like to bug you and ways of, you know, keeping them away from your landscapes. And you have to be really careful about insects because... You need to target the insects that are only bothering you. There's a lot of bugs out there, and if you're a regular regular listener to the show, you know that I poo-poo all the stuff about uh, the bees and how big of an impact they have in our life. Uh, that's all a bunch of tree-hugging type junk. Uh, they do not impact our lives as much as people like make them out to be, but yes, they are a beneficial insect. And uh, there's other beneficial insects out there as well that we don't want to harm. Believe it or not, one of the uh, best insects out there for us, especially if we want to grow anything in our yards, is the ant. Uh, Ants aerate our yard. They uh, grab organic matter, they drag it down to the soil, uh, to their um, colonies, and that's where they feed on it. And they go to use the restroom, and they uh, poop out little tiny, tiny pellets of fertilizer. So uh, they're very, very good for an ecosystem. And uh, without the ant, I would say farming would be almost impossible. Uh, growing any type of uh, crop, including your lawn, would be darn near impossible. 
So uh, we need to be really careful about uh, you know, what we're putting down to take care of uh, other insects. Uh, you'd never want to kill off the earthworms. They're just as important as the ants are for the same reasons. So uh, you don't want to go out there and, you know, go spraying uh, your lawns with DDT or what have you or chloridane, lundane, uh, spraying it off into the woods to kill off all the bugs, you know, all the mosquitoes because you're going to wind up killing off a bunch of other beneficial bugs too. Now, I'm not saying that doing this every once in a while is not that bad of a thing. Like, if you have a party scheduled and uh, you want to spray, uh, you know, spray your entire property and, you know, spray off into the high brush and stuff like that to make sure there's no flies, skeeters, and gnats that are going to be coming in to bother you for that day of the party, okay, in that case, yeah, I might go ahead and opt for uh, doing a, a blanket spray, you know, with a uh, wide-spectrum uh, pesticide. But for every normal, uh, you know, everyday dealings with them, I would not rely on that. Uh, these companies that go out and spray for the uh, mosquitoes, they come out like four or five times a year to spray. That's really too much. If you want to uh, keep your, you know, beneficial insects out there as well. So uh, you do have to be careful. And the other thing you've got to be careful of, too, and this will have a big impact on them, is hummingbirds. Uh, hummingbirds, uh, you know, the pesticide lands on the uh, flowers, and the hummingbirds ingest the nectar from those flowers. A hummingbird's liver is so tiny. I mean, it, it will fit on a, a pencil eraser. And I'm not talking about the big, you know, rectangular ones, but I'm talking about the ones that are on the uh, top of a uh, pencil. So uh, they will fit there with probably room for a couple more on top of that. And their livers are tiny. And uh, with the bird's metabolism, uh, they are constantly flooding their liver with uh, stuff that they eat. And you will wind up killing uh, and taking out these uh, little tiny birds' uh, livers by spraying insecticides too much. So that's another thing to keep in mind, too. But things that you can do without spraying. Uh, one is if you have a bird bath, you can add a little bit of bleach to the water. And I'm not talking about making it smell like a swimming pool. That much is not necessary. But I would say like a tablespoon of bleach into a normal-sized bird bath would be enough to keep uh, the mosquito larvae away. And it will also help fight against algae. So that's a good uh, way of doing it. But some uh, species of skiers do not even need uh, standing water to uh, lay their eggs. Some just need damp areas like piled-up leaves or brush or high grass even. So if you have that around your property and uh, you're trying to keep the skeeters away, maybe cut down some of that uh, high grass and brush. You know, uh, blow it out with uh, leaf blowers. Anything that you can do to uh, turn those things over to keep them dry. If it dries out, the skeeters aren't going to be able to survive in there. That's the key thing. It needs to be damp. It doesn't need to be wet, but it needs to be damp. It needs to be damp all the time. So if you can dry it out for a little bit, you'll, uh, you know, take care of the problem right there. Uh, so if you've got any area that does not dry out, you know, within a week of a rain, I would go ahead and, you know, cut it back. 
If you've got a lot of uh, thick underbrush, uh, it's best to clear it out. Lots of evergreens planted close together will also harbor the little critters because there's a lot of moisture inside there. Um, by thinning out these trees and allowing better airflow through them, you can uh, help decrease their populations. Now, one of the uh, most popular and one that I love uh, ways of uh, taking care of uh, these little flying critters is the good old-fashioned bug zapper. Uh, there is, and I've had people say I'm sick, but I'm sorry, there is nothing more satisfying, especially if you're sitting there, you know, scratching away at mosquito bites on your uh, arm or shoulder or what have you, than to hear one of these little pesky critters fly into a bug zapper and you hear that uh, it's one of the best sounds in the world. So uh, it's, it's very satisfying, and uh, it looks really cool. One night we uh, were down camping by the river, and we put the uh, bug zapper down there. It was down at Goose Island, and we brought a bug zapper with us along with a 100-foot cord, uh, which I will get to in a minute. You never want to keep bug zapper right next to you. But uh, we had it uh, quite a ways away from our uh, campsite, and hanging there, and they, it was just besieged by mosquitoes. Uh, earlier in the night, it was mosquitoes, and later on that night, there was a knife uh, fly hatch, which was even cooler. But, I mean, this bug zapper, thank God it wasn't my electricity, because if it was, you know, that little thing that spins around on your uh, meter, man, it would have been like a ceiling fan. Uh, but... Especially when the mayflies hit it, uh, we were actually we had to turn it off because we were afraid of the thing catching fire. It was just constant. It sounded like you know somebody on the uh, second floor was getting uh, the chair constant, and then you look down there at the bug zapper and you see you know flashes and smoke coming. They're really cool, but bug zappers are a really great way of doing it. But you've got to keep them away from where you're at. As satisfying as that sound is about uh, critters flying into it, you don't want it right next to your patio or where you're going to be sitting out doing any entertaining because the light attracts the bugs. You want to draw them away from where you're at, not to you. Uh, and, you know, they fly into the light and they hit that little electric grid and boom, that's all they, you know, she wrote for them. Now, uh, they also have smaller versions of bug zappers, too. At first, I scoffed and I laughed at this thing when uh, Terry brought it home. Not in front of her. But I thought it was you know, a piece of cheap garbage gimmick type thing. But as it turns out, this thing actually does work. And I, know you can, I don't know if they have them out yet, but during the season, they have them over at Woodman's. There are these little gray, round thingamajiggeroos. They stand about two and a half inches tall. And, uh, excuse me, they have a black light on the inside and a little tiny grid, and you plug it into a USB port. Uh, so you can, you know, stick it into your charger, or, you know, inside your house or your computer or what have you. 
And uh, we kept ours going, you know, 24-7 inside the, inside the house for any bugs that, got, that came in. And it doesn't uh, just draw mosquitoes. It also draws houseflies, too, so that was really cool. Uh, but houseflies, gnats, mosquitoes. And so it's basically a tabletop bug zapper they can get. And they're not a gimmick. They actually work, and they work quite well. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be searching mine out uh, this afternoon when I get home. Uh, we moved uh, over the winter. I know we moved it because I remember seeing it, but I don't remember which box it's in. And uh, we haven't gotten through all the boxes yet, so it might be might just be easier to go out and get a new one. Actually, maybe that's what I'll do. But uh, these things are well worth the investment, and they're not expensive. It's like 15 bucks to get one. So a really good way of keeping the critters out of your house. And it's a nice, you know, black light, which is that dark, dark blue light. Uh, it doesn't keep people awake at night unless you're Terry. Uh, she can see those little tiny blue lights that are on the computer, those little tiny dot lights. If the machine's, you know, 50 feet away, and how she sees it, I have no idea. And it's not, she's not faking it, because I've covered it up, and... Uh, she can tell me when, you know, my hand's in front of the light and when it's not, when she's got her eyes closed. She's got to have the thinnest eyelids in the world. But uh, they won't keep you awake at night, and they do a really good job. Now, another thing that uh, will uh, take care of the bugs outside is called a mosquito magnet. And this is another machine. It doesn't work with uh, the light, but this actually works by emitting carbon dioxide, Is and that's what mosquitoes uh, are attracted to. A lot of people think they're attracted to body heat, and that's incorrect. They're attracted to carbon dioxide, which our skin exudes. Everybody thinks it comes out of our mouths, and that's it. Our skin is the chief producer of carbon dioxide, and it just comes out of every pore when we sweat. And uh, that's what the mosquitoes hone in on. And they hone in on it just like a shark does to a drop of blood in the water. And they'll follow you right, you know, follow the trail of carbon dioxide in the air right up uh, to their host. So uh, this machine actually has a propane tank attached to it. And it burns a small amount of uh, propane. And it has a trap that the mosquitoes will fly into and then fall down to a bag. And uh, I've seen these things literally take out pounds of mosquitoes. And it, trust me, it takes a lot of mosquitoes to make up a pound. I'm talking about tens of thousands of them to just make up a pound. I mean, these little critters are light. And, uh, uh, you know, the guy that... Uh, I knew that had uh, one of these. I've known a few people, but uh, one of the people that I've known that uh, had it was down on Shore Acres Road. So he had that, you know, swamp uh, right across the road from him. Plus, he had a little bit of a uh, dried-up uh, stream bed in his property that connected from the river to uh, the swamp. So I mean, this guy had—he was dealing. With, he was surrounded by wetlands, more or less, and uh, the skeeters were just a horrible issue there. And, uh, I mean, to the point of I was chased off the lawn during the day. 
to where I could not work the lawn because the mosquitoes were so bad. And uh, he got one of these things, and, man, did it work. But, again, you don't want it to have keep it anywhere near where you're going to be. You want it to be off in the distance. Uh, the far, farthest area away from where you sit, the better, because this is going to draw the mosquitoes to it, away from you, and it will trap them. And it does you know, a pretty good job in that uh, fashion. Okay, we're going to have to take a little bit of a break right here. Let's see. Uh, uh, we had a little bit of business uh, and a weather break coming up here. So we'll go ahead and do that, and we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a couple of minutes. Go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text for any plant or gardening questions, 608-785-7914. Oh, we, today, in between phone calls, we have been talking about mosquitoes and you know different ways of keeping them away from you uh, without killing off all the uh, critters that are out there. Now, I had just mentioned a mosquito magnet which will draw in basically the bad bugs, the ones that are attracted to CO2 or the ones that we don't like. So that's a good thing because we're not killing off the beneficials. Bad thing about these uh, machines is they range in price from just a bit north of $100 to well over $500. So they're not a cheap investment. But if you live in an area that's plagued by mosquitoes, they can be a godsend, very honestly. Uh, like I said, I've seen these mach machines eat over a pound of mosquitoes a day. That's hundreds of thousands of them. So that's that many less that are going to be eating on you. Now, about the most popular thing out there is also the most misunderstood, and that is mosquito sprays. Uh, most mosquito sprays contain an active ingredient called DEET, D-E-E-T. And I'm not going to get into the technical uh, the words for what DEET stands for. It's an acronym. But it's, the, like I said, the active ingredient in most commercially uh, sold uh, bug repellents. Now, please, and I've seen this happen so many times, especially down at campgrounds and stuff, where I'll see some well-thinking young mother outside and it doesn't want their kids to get hit by uh, mosquitoes, so they spray raid or yard guard on the kids. Don't be that person. It's not going to do any good, and you're going to wind up hurting the kid. DEET. That would be off, cutters, uh, any of those, you know, uh, Things that are labeled uh, mosquito repellents, uh, well, not any of them, but most of them have DEET in them as the active ingredient. DEET is not an insecticide. A mosquito could swim in a bowl full of DEET, dive down to uh, DEET and come back up and sit there and do backstrokes, and it's not going to bother it one bit. What it is is actually closer to a perfume, and it masks the scent of CO2 coming off your body. So once that's masked, the uh, critters cannot fly in and punch on you anymore because they don't know you're there. It's like a camouflage. And uh, it's not a... It's not going to hurt the insects at all. It's not going to hurt the beneficial insects either, which is a good thing. 
But a lot of people are afraid of using it, especially on their young kids, because they think it's insecticide. And it's not an insecticide. It's not even a true repellent because they're not smelling it. and they don't. It isn't that they don't like the smell of it and they stay away. It's that it's blocking the scent of the uh, CO2 from leaving your body, which is very, very strong. Most perfumes will cut right through, so don't go that route, ladies. But uh, the uh, DEET will block it and uh, keep them from you know, honing in on you. Uh, now, there are other scents out there that do the same thing. One of them is Avon's Skin So Soft. Uh, that one there, uh, the stuff works fantastic, uh, but unfortunately it does have the drawback of making you smell like you just came out of a French bordello. Uh, it is very, very perfumey. But it was funny, back in New York, I remember uh, back there during the, uh, the Lyme's crisis and everything else, uh, where everybody was afraid of bugs. <laughs> you have all these landscapers and yard workers out there, all these big burly men smelling like, uh, you know, grandma, because hey, they're covering themselves with skin so soft. And stuff does work, there's no doubt about it. And another good uh, side effect, if you're into this type of thing, is it helps with the suntan, too. But you have to be careful because it's an oil base and it can make you burn. Another good uh, scent that's not so manly, but it does work, is anything that has a vanilla scent to it. Vanilla is a true repellent to insects. And uh, they don't even like the smell of artificial vanilla. Now, there is one out there, uh, I think it's Body Fantasies, puts it out. And it's a uh, spray, spray it on your body. I, uh, when I was out there working, I would put it on once a day and not worry about a mosquito again. Uh, maybe if it was really hot and I sweated it off, I'd have to reapply after lunch. But that stuff worked really well and kind of smelled like a vanilla cookie. So to me, vanilla is neither male nor female. It's just a nice scent. Uh, makes it smell like a baker. But, uh, yeah. That's about the best thing out there to go ahead and you know, spray down with. And, again, it does have an alcohol base, so be careful using it around your eyes and such. Don't want to get the taste of it in your mouth either. Stuff tastes pretty damn nasty. 